Well, it's that time of the week again where we welcome Dr Andrew Corbett into the studios for another weekly Life Matters discussion. And it's a very good morning to you, Andrew. Good morning, Dave. It's great to be here again. So you've got an interesting topic for us today, the five C's of a fail-proof marriage. Now, before you get going, uh, you're calling this the five C's of a fail-proof marriage. Can you really fail-proof a marriage? Yes, Dave, there's no guarantees in life, but sometimes life does present us with some negative guarantees. What I mean by this is that if we don't do certain things, we are guaranteed to fail to achieve what we really want. For example, I can't guarantee you that if you weed your lawn, fertilize it, water it regularly, mow it often, that you'll end up with a near perfect lawn. But I can guarantee that if you don't, you, you can't. You, you just won't be able to have a perfect lawn unless you do those things. And I think it's similar with marriage. And there are five basic things that every couple should do to build their marriage so that at least they don't fail. And I have good reasons to believe that the highest state of human happiness is only possible in a healthy marriage. I'm not saying that someone who's not married can't be healthy and I'm certainly not naive to think that there are some pretty toxic marriages that some people would would arguably feel happier not that that's the goal of marriage and I hope people understand that if they weren't in but I really think a, a happy a happy life is is maximized if you are in a a, a, a blessed marriage not everyone is going to be blessed with the gift of marriage but for those who are they can discover that it's in being married that several of our greatest and our most foundational needs can only be met and these include things like companionship and the acceptance that comes with that love and intimacy and even being needed these things are a part of the hierarchy of human needs and marriage facilitates those things. I am, I'm a marriage celebrant and I'm a pastor of a church and, and as a marriage celebrant, uh, there are, uh, you know, occasions when I'm marrying several couples on the go at any one time and I'm involved in preparing couples and anyone who has been married by me knows that we we take this very seriously we take a a 9 month minimum preparation to take a, a couple from where they're at to preparing them for marriage and the reason for that is some of the homework involved in preparing for marriage takes about a month but so it it's over that time that you learn that there are some there are some really basic things that will cause a marriage to fail. In fact, I'm I'm deeply concerned that too many marriages fail because of, in particular, three utterly preventable reasons. So what are the three reasons? Well, all marriages fail for one or more of these three reasons. N- number three is preparation. You know, a a couple is 30% less likely to have their marriage fail if they undergo professional marriage preparation. I I don't mean, you know, a kind-hearted uncle or a a well-meaning whoever 
prepares you. I mean, someone who really has the skills to take two individuals and show them what's involved in in getting married and remaining married and and building their their marriage. This is really a professional activity, and I know a lot of people balk at the idea of paying money to go to someone to have them help prepare uh, for marriage. And most people, it seems to me, put most of their efforts into preparing for their wedding rather than their marriage. And I want to give you a bit of a practical illustration on what I mean when I say preparation is one of the reasons, one of the top three reasons why a couple will fail in their marriage if they don't do it right. Imagine a guy turning up at a girl's house with the car on the road and the motor running, and he says to her, let's go. Now, isn't she going to have some questions? She'd she'd probably ask questions like, where? Uh, What should I bring? How long will we be? Why? Um, What's the rush? And these are these are exactly the questions that should be asked at least before entering into a marriage because a marriage is far more important a journey than any car ride and if you can prepare well you will be in place you'll have in place those things that will help you to withstand the very very predictable obstacles that will come your way when you get married. The second reason marriages fail is a breach of trust. So trust is really important. When boundaries are actually lacking, and one of the things that that will come out in preparation is the establishment of, of appropriate boundaries. And this is what helps to foster and develop trust. And this is really, really critical. So when boundaries are lacking, or worse still, they are breached, trust will inevitably be damaged and sometimes irreparably damaged. There's no way back. Once you've burnt that bridge, you can't ever cross it again. So trust in a marriage is absolutely critical when it's breached or broken uh, or or it's it's not there and then it's broken that's even that's that's really a horrible thing it it will cause a marriage to fail there's a lot of work needed when trust is broken and as i said sometimes that damage is is almost irreparable so trust is critically important so the the husband that says to his wife, "Don't you trust me, man? If I was if I was hearing that come from a husband or a wife, I would have I would have warning bells go off left, right, and centre, because you never challenge accountability. If your spouse is is asking an accountability question like, "Where were you? Why are you late? Why were you with that person?" These things are not inappropriate for someone to ask their spouse. They are what we would call accountability questions. And this is where marriage preparation helps a couple to understand that when that kind of interaction happens, it's actually trying to build and reinforce trust, not not undermine it or 
challenge it. It's just being held accountable. And here's the number one reason why marriages fail. And sometimes, uh, in fact, one of the first things I do with a couple, I will ask them, why do you think most marriages fail? And nearly intuitively, they get most of these three. Sometimes I'll throw in things like finance or um, sometimes even sex will come into the equation, but but it's but it's not. It's actually this this one. It's the number one thing. In fact, I, I'm going to suggest this is the biggest and it's the most common reason why marriages fail, and it's communication. Where there is a lack of communication or dysfunctional communication, where where conflict becomes the the symptom of this failure. A lot of people get into conflict. And they think that's the symptom of their, their their marriage is in trouble. It doesn't necessarily have to be. In fact, one of the things we're going to see is that, that conflict is not only unavoidable, in many respects, it's absolutely necessary for you to develop a strong marriage. So learning how to communicate well is a part of preparation, learning how to trust. And learning, there's a, there's a whole stack of other things that you want to have in place before you get married. So there's there's those things. Um, Dave, how about we, we go to music and we come back after this song and introduce the five C's of a fail-proof marriage. And we're going to count down five down to one of the things that you can do to help fail-proof your marriage. And I think particularly... If you're someone who is about to get married, you're preparing for marriage, then you really want to have a listen to this. And uh, if you know someone who is, yeah, maybe get on the phone or, or shoot them an email or something like that. Dave. Well, that's excellent. Thanks for that. I'm sure lots of people are getting good knowledge from this. Maybe you know someone who might be able to actually get some uh, good advice as well. Let them know. Send them a text or give them a phone call and tell them they can uh, listen right here on 105.3 WayFM or online anytime, wayfm.org.au. This is Maroon 5's Sugar, WayFM. Good morning. There you go. Jason Derulo's Marry Me right here on WayFM. In fact, we're talking to Andrew Corbett this morning about the five C's of fail-proofing your marriage. Now, Andrew, uh, yep, you mentioned before the three biggest and most common reasons why any marriage fails. Could you just quickly remind us of those as we uh, look at uh, unpacking how to fail-proof a marriage? Yeah, sure, Dave. Marriages fail, as we've said, for these three reasons very commonly. These are the three biggest reasons and... They certainly are the most common reasons. They fall into these categories. Number one, a lack of preparation. Number two, a breach of trust, infidelity, um, lack of faithfulness, and a communication breakdown. Well, let's, as you said, let's run through the five C's of fail-proofing your marriage. It starts at number five. We're going to count down to number one. And number five, we start, this is where we start. And before we start here, I... I'm I'm wanting to assume that we're we're dealing with a couple that that already has a relationship. They they have known each other. They at least are friends. They have been uh, with each other for some time, observing each other, and and so I'm I'm making that assumption. So before people say, well, what about some of these other things that make for friendship? I'm assuming friendships in place. 
what we're talking about is is the, the fail proofing a marriage. So this is what you've got to have in place when you go into your marriage. It can be done when you've already entered into a marriage, and you may be hearing this thinking, "Oh my goodness, we we didn't do any of this when my spouse and I got married. We we just sort of jumped in. We spent more time, as I mentioned, most couples spend more time on their their wedding than they do on their their marriage." And I I want to suggest that the bulk of your time in, in getting married should be spent on your marriage rather than on your wedding. So here's where it starts. Number five, the first of the five C's of fail-proofing your marriage is commitment. Now, commitment is one of... We, we live in an age when people make commitments, you know, seems like all the time, and then they break them just as easy. Marriage is demands a commitment in fact that word marriage and its associated word wedding is is actually a metallurgical term that you marry metals what happens is you you melt those two metals down and they become one new metal it's it's the process of welding essentially and that word wedding which is associated kind of with that word welding is where you're taking two two constitutionally different things and you're merging them together in a way that they become one thing. That is literally what a wedding is. Today, we, we generally refer to the ceremony as as the wedding, but essentially the wedding takes place after the ceremony, if you get my drift, where two constitutionally different things, that is a man and a woman, come together and they form one new thing and they have the potential to form one new thing, that is, a, a child. So a marriage requires a level of commitment because of that potentiality to produce a new thing, child, that is unlike any other commitment in any other sphere of life. You know, we talk about the football coach at quarter time calling for his players to show a little bit more commitment to the ball. Well, what's required, the marriage commitment required is far more important and far more pricey than simply going after an inflated piece of leather. It requires that you are giving it all. And and this is part of what the wedding ceremony is is all about because it establishes this as the foundation of the marriage commitment. And it uses... A, a word, and in fact, the whole ceremony for is is built around an ancient word that has the idea of commitment, and it's the word covenant. So, a covenant, in this sense, it comes from that ancient word, which which means an unbreakable union between two people, an unbreakable union. So, when we talk about the kind of commitment necessary, I would remind perhaps remind couples who have already been married they they have undertaken um, their their wedding vows already just remember some of your wedding vows and and just consider the role that commitment played in in your wedding vows think of think of some of the language that was used for better or for worse for richer or for poorer in sickness and in health you see that the exchange of vows is grounded in this notion of commitment 
And we don't have many heroes of commitment today. We have, you know, star footballers who will, you know, play a couple of seasons at a club, get a bigger offer at another club, and off they go. And, you know, good on them. That's, that's, that's the way that works. But it doesn't work like that in marriage. You don't opt out if you get a better offer. You don't opt out as you are, as I'm reminding couples who, who vow on their wedding day in sickness or in health. So even though, even if your spouse is, is critically ill, really sick, you're making a vow that your commitment will withstand that for richer or for poorer. So even when you know there's, there's financial dire straits involved here, you, you are making a commitment to be married. Now, I guess, again, whenever I start talking like this, I'm always mindful that there are people who begin to feel possibly a little bit condemned because maybe they have endured a failed marriage. And, I, and, and this is what I want to say. If we were to bring some of those people into the studio right now and we were to ask them, would your marriage have been better if you had prepared, um, established boundaries of trust and really learned to communicate openly, transparently and honestly with the one you were married to, I, I guarantee you they would all say, absolutely. Young people, listen, listen to what we're saying here. So in many respects, those who have experienced the pain of a failed marriage, we're not wagging the finger at you. We're actually you know, asking you, to come in and, and, and really give an amen to this, kind of give a, hey, listen, I, th- this is right. I, I know what this guy's talking about. I've been through the pain of marriage failure where, where you know, I look back now and I go, we really didn't get some of these commitment issues right. Commitment, again, in, in sickness and health, rich or poorer, better. Here's, here's the last phrase that's generally uttered in, a, in a, an exchange of wedding vows for better or for worse. One of the things that a, that a good pre-marriage counsellor will do is take a couple through the vows that they are going to exchange. And, and this, this particular part of the vow, for better or for worse, one of the things I would do with a couple is challenge, the, challenge them to, to describe worse. Tell me what worse looks like. And and consider that you're making a vow that despite that, you are going to remain committed in the marriage. You're going to continue to be the, the faithful one in that marriage. So if you want to fail-proof your marriage, you, you need to remember that you've made a commitment to another person. That commitment is not dependent upon whether you are happy in the marriage. It's not dependent upon whether the other person is happy in the marriage or whether they make you happy in the marriage. Your commitment to them transcends anything you get out of the marriage. You're coming to the marriage to contribute to the marriage. So if you want to fail-proof your marriage, it starts, number five, with commitment. Ground your marriage in Absolute rock solid commitment. Now, this is important because there will come days when, you know, you may have a, a dispute, a fight, you may have um, a disagreement, and if you haven't got this, if you haven't got this settled, the temptation to think that's it, I don't want to go on anymore, may overpower you, and and, the, and especially when there's children involved, 
this is not good. <laughs> this is really not good. It's and 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 I have met so many people who have ended their marriage. Their their marriage has gone through a breakdown sometimes with a lot of heartache. And while sometimes the parents involved will say, you know, my children have fared really, really well through this marriage breakdown. I then talk to the children, and that is not their story at all. So it's so commitment to your spouse uh, is something that is not only in your interest, it's really in the interest of your children as well. And here's, here's a thing, just before we, we come up to the news, here's something, Dave, that when you are committed and you've got flesh in the game, skin in the game, it's amazing what it does to your emotional state as well. It can actually create positive emotions, even when you have those down days, those negative days, those those days when it just feels like it's all too hard. Anyway, that's the first of the five C's. We'll come back after the news with the rest. Yes, indeed. Wise words. Don't forget you can listen to this online anytime, wayfm.org.au. And then, of course, we'll upload this program so you can download it for free on our download page. Now it's time for the 9 o'clock news, WayFM. We're talking with Andrew Corbett this morning about the five C's of fail-proofing your marriage. Uh, yes, indeed, Dave. And we've already introduced the first one, counting down from five down to number one. We've already seen that it starts with the foundation is commitment. And commitment provides security. And if you want to have a fulfilled marriage, one where you can grow closer to each other and find the kind of fulfillment that you would expect, in a marriage, it has to be grounded in that kind of commitment. Just before we go on to the others, I do want to just welcome aboard some of our new sponsors to AFM, uh, particularly thinking of uh, Capri Body Fashions. Welcome to AFM. Great to have you on board supporting what we're doing here at AFM in strengthening marriages and helping families to come closer together. And we appreciate your support of our family friendly music and our kids safe radio option so it's really great to have you on board i trust that listeners get behind the sponsors that they hear on wayfm because they're making our mission possible also want to thank our donors we are you know largely dependent on our donors 70 percent of our income comes from people who believe in what we're doing and the other 30 percent is made up by businesses around our region so we are really thankful to you. You can also help us out by going online, wayfm.org.au slash donate or give us a call on 63340100. Also love to have you pencil in Friday, November 13. It's going to be our gala fundraising dinner. We're going to do our annual general meeting then as well. We'd love to have you come along. It'll be a great night of inspiration and we're, we're doing our sort of our end of year appeal we, we had a great mid-year appeal. Uh, it's a new financial year and we, we need to get through the Christmas New Year break. It's always a very tough time for us. So if you're able to help us out, particularly on that night, Friday, November 13, keep it in mind. Uh, give us a call or drop us an email or something. Let us know you'd love to be there and we'll send you an invitation to that event. We're counting down the five C's of fail-proofing your marriage. As I said, we've introduced the first one, it's commitment. Here's the next one conflict or it's it's a part of the communication that we mentioned that will all almost certainly derail a marriage if you haven't got this sorted conflict 
resolution. You see, when you resolve a conflict with someone, you are actually telling them, I respect you. If you don't take the time to talk things through, present your case, listen to the case of your spouse, your husband, your wife, then really you're sending a message. And this is where when when we take a couple through the finer points of what what's involved in communication, one of the things we try and do is show them that words often get in the way. Words are not, you know, let, let's not approach our marriage like lawyers. The, 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 the least a, a lawyer or a lawyer spirit can have to do with a marriage, I think the better. And you don't want to act like lawyers when you're in, involved in a marriage. Act like human beings who have made a commitment to each other. And it means that when there's a conflict... Rather than that escalating into something really unhelpful and unhealthy, that conflict can be turned into something that leads to greater mutual respect. Sometimes we we have the, the most heated arguments, or I'm going to use that word ill-advisedly, arguments, because in a moment I want to show that generally what we call arguments are nothing of the sort. They're actually fights. And that's what leads to conflict. Conflict is when someone is is in this discussion, if we can call it that, where they want to win. And that's what a conflict is all about. It's about someone winning and therefore someone losing. If you can learn that you're a partnership, that whenever you have a conflict, the goal the goal is going to be to resolve this so that no one loses. It's an interesting exercise throughout life to recognize that we we don't we don't land on planet Earth, feet on the ground with all the skills necessary to negotiate conflict with other people. Yet it is one of the most absolute certainties of life that you will conflict with someone. You'll you'll have conflict with people. Here's some tips. One of the first things I would do with a couple in preparing them for the inevitable conflict is to give them a different goal. Rather than someone wins, someone loses, therefore the goal is to win, as many couples do, and many husbands have found it's just easy to let their wife win. So they don't even they don't even engage anymore in the relationship, and that actually is not healthy. It leads to people shutting down, people closing off, people becoming not transparent but more opaque and eventually not even open at all. And one day you'll wake up in a bed next to somebody and look at them and, and wonder who they are. That's not how marriage is meant to be. Learning how to resolve a conflict, it's a different goal. And the goal is to understand. It's as simple as that, to understand. Here's what I've discovered in life. If someone understands what I'm saying and where I'm coming from, even though they don't agree, I'm, I'm far less hostile toward them. In fact, I'm, I'm incredibly open toward them. It's one of the, the things about human nature is we, we long and crave for someone to understand us. And when they do, we deeply value it. We deeply appreciate being understood. So the, the goal in conflict resolution is to understand, and that involves listening. And, and I would say to a couple in preparation, there's three types of listening that you need to do. One you may have heard of, 
The other one you may not have heard of, and definitely the third one most people haven't heard of. This is why it takes marriage preparation to put these things in place. But the first type of listening, we, we may have heard of this, it's called active listening. It's where we are really intently listening so that we could repeat back to the other person what they've just told us so that if we didn't quite hear them correctly, they could correct us, that we could stand corrected. The other type of listening is reactive listening, so that when someone is speaking to us, this is our body language, it's, it's our eye contact, it's, it's, our, it's our little non-verbals, or perhaps even our little verbals that we're giving as they are speaking to us. So if we're rolling our eyes, folding our arms, looking away, looking at our watch, God forbid, looking at our text messages or Facebook status updates on on our phones, we're not reacting very well. And this kind of listening, as rude as it is, actually fuels the conflict. So learning how to do reactive listening means that we are giving our attention to the other person as they speak. And then finally, the, the third type of listening is responsive listening. So perhaps we're being told that this is how our our spouse would like us to change or something our spouse would like us to do. And if we're really listening, we're we're able to repeat it back to them. We're able to listen with respect by being by giving some good reactive listening. And then our responsive listening is is actually to implement what they're asking. And I remember a discussion with uh, uh, Mr. Peter Daniels, who who said that uh, Mrs. Daniels had sort of indicated to him that he was a bit of a slob, and so he he heard her and he apologised, and then he made a commitment to her that he would never leave his things lying around the house again. And he headed off for work. He had a a forty five minute drive into Adelaide, and he headed off, and he remembered that he had left something on the dining room table. He was 40 minutes into his 45-minute drive into Adelaide. He hopped. He, he just turned the car around, hopped the car around, and drove straight back home to move the thing that he'd left on the table because he wanted to be a man of his word. That was good listening. It might look like long driving, but it was actually good listening. I want to just introduce number three, and then we'll talk perhaps a little bit more about it after the next music break when we, we hear, I think, from Stephen Curtis Chapman with a great song. But it's consideration, it, learning how to be considerate of the other person. So we start off with commitment, we go to conflict resolution, and then the the uh, third C is consideration, learning how to be considerate, learning what your spouse likes, doesn't like, and how you can Bless them. That's consideration. And we'll be back after this break. There you go. Again, a reminder, you can listen online anytime, wayfm.org.au, and we're uploading the program. Look at our downloads page. This is Stephen Curtis Chapman. You've got me, WayFM. Yeah, Sam, what a great song by Stephen Curtis Chapman on a Wednesday or a Monday or a Tuesday. Good times, bad times. That's the essence of commitment that Stephen Curtis Chapman was just singing about. We're counting down the five C's of a fail-proof marriage. How to fail-proof your marriage starts with commitment, an understanding of commitment. It provides the kind of security needed to draw close to another person. Without it, it's just not possible. We've seen that you've also got to be able to 
have the skill set, the tools needed to resolve conflict. Understand that when you get close to someone, they're likely to begin to share their opinions, begin to expose their heart, begin to say things they really think, they really feel. And sometimes that can sound like criticism. But a wise husband will learn to put some filters up and learn that sometimes when this begins to happen, it's not criticism, it's not an attack, it's actually his wife revealing more of her heart to him. And that's something that should cause him to celebrate and to treat that with a great deal of respect, in fact, to treasure it. We've seen also, we just introduced number three, counting down five down to one, we've seen that Number three was consideration, learning how to show care, practical care. Sometimes the loudest thing we say is what we do. And sometimes when our husband says he likes, insert whatever he likes here, whether it be watching the football or whatever it is, then showing some consideration is is joining him, not just allowing him, but joining him in that. My wife loves bushwalking and I'm not a great fan of it. Um, I'm just not built for walking 80 kilometers over five days with a 20 kilo pack on my back up and down hills and mountains and things, but she loves it. So out of consideration for her, I will join in and we've just about trekked most of the length and almost the width of Tasmania in, in her pursuit to do something she really, really enjoys. And she knows what I enjoy and She's considerate of that as well. And we've been married now for nearly 28 years. So they're the kinds of things that you can pick up after a while. And it does take time. It takes time to develop that level of consideration for another person. Here's number two. This is the big one. I said this was one of the ones that is one of the causes of most marriage breakdowns. It's communication. Communication is actually an aspect of love. When you learn how to communicate, you learn how to do small talk. Husbands particularly need to learn this because it's not an acquired skill, not a, not a, uh, definitely not a, a natural skill for a husband. But learning how to communicate, learning how to do the small talk, learning how you know husbands and wives, men and women, we communicate differently. We we have different communication needs. Oftentimes, women want detail that surprises a man. What did you do with your day? You know, who did you see? What was she wearing when she served you at the counter of the whatever store? These are the sorts of things that a husband learns when he communicates with his wife to do the small talk, to interchange with the cliches, to interchange with the facts, some of the details, and then to be able to exchange opinions. This is a part of learning how to communicate, learning how to listen, learning how to show respect for an opinion coming from your husband or your wife that might differ from yours, but showing that goal that we mentioned before, the goal to understand what they are saying, not necessarily agree, you may agree, you may not agree, but that's a part of communicating and learning how to share what you really feel. This is where it gets tricky because perhaps you're feeling disappointment or anger and you you share that and the other person could interpret that as the marriage in trouble or the marriage failing or the marriage is is on you know is on shaky ground when in fact nearly always it's exactly the opposite when someone shares that openly with you what's really going on in their heart it's actually a sign that they trust you they feel close to you and they feel quite relaxed to be able to share what they're really thinking really 
feeling. And these are the, the aspects of communication that it also, as I mentioned before, involves listening, those three levels of listening, active listening, reactive listening. It's why as a parent, we teach our children, if someone's talking to you, if an adult is talking to you, you've got to look at them. Don't, you know, don't let your eyes wander. Don't look down at the ground. Look up at them, pay them respect and listen to what they're saying. It, it also involves responsive listening. And it also involves, communication involves a lot of non-verbals. What you do speaks louder sometimes than what you say. And learning how to communicate with non-verbals, learning how to communicate in a language that shows you were listening, you understand what someone really thinks and feels and wants. This is a part of learning how to communicate. Learning how to apologize is is a vital part of communicating. And it's, it's one of the things that if you can learn to do this, it will absolutely help you to fail safe your marriage, fail, fail-proof your marriage. So here's the, the final one. And I'll just remind you, we've, we've counted down five and we're about to introduce number one. Number five was commitment. A marriage has got to be grounded. If you can think of this as a pyramid, you've got the foundation of commitment, rock-solid commitment. I'm here for better, for worse, sickness or health, richer for poorer. For for happy or sad, I'm here. I'm committed to you. Conflict, learning how to resolve conflict, it's a statement of respect for the other person. Consideration, you you will make sacrifices for the other person. You will do those things that show that you're being considerate of them. You don't demand that they be considerate of you because that's actually not very considerate. But you're able to then communicate at a level that not only engages your minds, but it engages your heart. And then the ultimate goal is to get to that depth of communication where you're able to talk to each other out of the out of the depths of your soul with that person. And and that's a place too few couples ever get to. It's a very it's very rare air in that zone where a couple will begin to engage at the at the very core, the very depth of their soul. They begin to talk about their their dreams, their desires, the things they really want to do, the things they hope for, the things they would like from the other person. Sometimes this is really, really dangerous territory because it's uncomfortable. And one of the one of the absolute certainties of each of these five C's of uh, fail-proofing your marriage is there's a, a big C that embraces all of these words, and it's the word change. When you get married, you cannot stay the same. It It is absolutely a given that you will change. You will have to grow, develop. You will become a different person. Uh, Kim and I just celebrated our 20th pastoral anniversary, pastoring Lagana Christian Church, one of the comments that many people had for me, they came up knowing that, you know, Kim and I be married, we're into our 28th year of marriage and, and I've been here serving this church for, for uh, Lagana for uh, 20 years. One of the comments that people had was, it, it's really nice to see how I've changed. Now, I don't know what they thought I was before, but but I guess that's a compliment. They're, they're saying that I've changed and that's the thing that comes out of commitment and I've got, as a pastor, as many pastors have, a deep and abiding commitment to their local church. Change is inevitable. It'll happen. So we've got commitment, 
conflict resolution, consideration, learning how to communicate. And here's the fifth one. I guarantee if you get this right, it will stand your marriage in really good stead. And it's Christ. Think of everything that Jesus stood for. If you read through the gospel accounts, even if you're not a Christian, even if you're just mildly spiritual, read through what Jesus talked about and you'll see there is no better way to live than the way he prescribed. What he taught about, I mean, every religion claims that Jesus Christ is a great teacher. What he had to say about marriage is absolutely profound. What he had to say about sexuality of marriage is still true today. And he had some really, really profound things to say. If we read in Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 to 6, he talks about leaving your mum and dad and cleaving to your wife. That there's a there's a lot of wisdom in that where, you know, as a couple you you recognize it's not about me running to mum or running to dad or running to anybody, my girlfriend, my boyfriend, or whoever it is. I've now got to resolve this with my spouse. There's wisdom just in that statement there from Christ. So there's the five C's that will fail proof your marriage. You can find this a bit later on on the website. Uh, thanks, Dave. Well, there you go. Thank you very much, Dr. Andrew Corbett. We'll talk again next Wednesday. We'll have this program uploaded to our website a bit later today, and you can listen to it again or download it. And we'll also hear Dr. Corbett tomorrow night at 8.30 with Finding Truth Matters. We've got the news update on the way and more good music coming up right here. Way FM. Good morning.